about to commence the next lecture program by Sheikh Anwar Al-Awlaki, who I don't think needs much introduction to any of you by now. Um, the title, as you can see on the board over here, is The Experiences and Ultimate End of Those Who Followed and Opposed the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So without further ado, just before I say that, this lecture will run from 6 until 7 p.m. And there's a piece of paper on your seat, which you may, some of you may be sitting on. Some of you may have noticed it's on your seat. Um, keep that in your right hand and put it to good use by remaining in your seats for after the lecture. Okay, there will be no question and answer session we will then go into a special session where we convene some of the other lecturers here and we expect you to attend that. It's going to be beneficial for you and for everyone, inshallah. Without further ado, Sheikh Anwar Aulaki. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم سليما كثيرا السلام عليكم ورحمة الله أولا in the beginning we ask Allah عز وجل to accept this effort of ours that's the whole point of being here is the أجر the reward which is even more important than the knowledge that we will learn is to receive the ajr of being here. And the knowledge is a, a bonus and a plus, as Allah has made it clear to us that everything is a fadl from Him. So everything really is bonuses that are given to us by Allah because He owes us nothing and we owe Him everything. Now, what is the experience of those who follow Rasulullah wasallam? Allah says in Surah Al-Tahreem, يَا أَيُّهَا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا تُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ تَوْبَةً نَصُوحًا عَسَى رَبُّكُمْ أَنْ يُكَفِّرَ عَنْكُمْ سَيِّئَاتِكُمْ وَيُدْخِلْكُمْ جَنَّاتٍ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهَا الْأَنْهَارِ يَوْمَ لَا يُخْزِ اللَّهُ النَّبِيَّ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مَعَهُ نُورُهُمْ يَسْعَى بَيْنَ أَيْدِيهِمْ وَبِأَيْمَانِهِمْ يَقُولُونَ رَبَّنَا أَتْمِمْ لَنَا نُورَنَا وَاغْفِرْ لَنَا إِنَّكَ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ الله عز وجل says O oh, you who believe Turn to Allah with sincere repentance. It may be that your Lord will expiate from you your sins and admit you into gardens under which rivers flow the day that Allah will not disgrace the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, and those who believed with him. If you follow Muhammad وسلم, you will not be disgraced. If you follow Muhammad وسلم, you will succeed. Rasulullah was telling the people from the early days in Mecca, Say, there is no God but Allah and you will be successful. Following Muhammad وسلم, is the ultimate success. Rasulullah came to a people who were illiterate, who were poor. And Rasulullah turned them from nothing into being everything. The greatest scholars came out of this ummah. The greatest mujahideen came out of this ummah. The greatest shuhada came out of this ummah. The greatest zuhad and ubad came out of this ummah. So Rasulullah sallallahu is speaking to the sahaba radiallahu anhum and said, Would you be pleased if you are one quarter of the people of Jannah? They said yes. So the followers of Muhammad are one quarter of the Jannah while the followers of all of the other Sahaba are three-fourths. Rasulullah said, would you be happy if you are one-third of the people of Jannah? They said, yes. Rasulullah said, would you be happy if you are one-half of the people of Jannah? They said, yes. He said, in the name of Allah, I ask and I wish that you would be two-thirds of the people of Jannah. 
كنتم خير أمة أخرجت الناس. This is the greatest ummah brought forth to mankind. We might go into low points. We might deviate from the straight path at certain times. We might slack. But at the end of the day, this remains to be the greatest ummah that was brought forth to humanity. The followers of Muhammad are the chosen nation. So we have to revive that confidence back. And even though we're going through a low point, the bottom of the curve, nevertheless, this ummah has the potential to fall, fall down and then stand up running. This ummah, as Rasulullah promised, it will be revived in every qarn, every century, there will be a revival in this ummah. With the other ummah, they didn't have that potential and that's why other prophets had to be sent. But with the ummah of Muhammad first of all, Rasulullah has done his work so well and completed his mission to the extent that there is no need for a prophet to come after him. Number two, this is an ummah that is surrounded with a bracket. It starts by Muhammad and ends with Isa. Ummati kalmatar. This ummah is like rain. The blessing is in the beginning, the blessing is in between, and there's blessing in the end. There's blessing all through. Muhammad by the time he passed away, he has left behind him no books that he has written. Rasulullah did not author any books. He did not write down 10,000 documents or 10,000 books, but he has carved Qur'an in the hearts of 10,000 men. That was the greatest product of Rasulullah It was men. It wasn't books. It was men. Rasulullah brought up to the Sahaba to the extent that when he left, Rasulullah did not even have to appoint a successor after him. The Sahaba knew how to sort that out. And they learned by just looking at the indications that Abu Bakr was made the imam, that Abu Bakr was appointed as the emir of Hajj, that Abu Bakr was the person with Rasulullah all the time. They, they made that choice for themselves and they gave him bayah. The Sahaba radiallahu anhum, every one of them is an ummah. The greatest military general you will find is Khalid bin Walid. The greatest scholar is Ma'adh bin Jabal. The greatest businessman, Uthman ibn Affan. The greatest of a shuhada, Hamza ibn Abdul Muttalib. Every one of them is a model in their own right. Who were they before? You know one uh, 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 writer, he, he wrote a book about Umar ibn Khattab and he said, Who would Umar ibn Khattab be without Islam? What is the potential for Umar ibn Khattab? What would his future be like? He said, maybe. If there was a strike of luck... Umar ibn Khattab could have been a leader over his people in Quraysh, maybe. He said if we push it further, we might say that maybe Umar ibn Khattab would have been a leader over some of the tribes in Hijaz. He said, but the most likely scenario is that Umar ibn Khattab would have died at young age because of alcohol. And Islam came to Umar al-Khattab and completely turned him into a different human being. Rasulullah has said that you are a man that when shaitan sees you following one way, he would follow another way. Shaitan has given up on Umar al-Khattab. Lost hope. A hopeless case for shaitan. He doesn't even bother arguing with him. He doesn't even want to give it a chance. You see Umar, he goes the other way. That was because of the barakah of being around Rasulullah Abu Bakr Siddiq was drinking from the fountain of Muhammad for years, from day one. So Rasulullah says, if the ummah is placed on one side and Abu Bakr on the other side, his iman is heavier than everybody else. So that's what Rasulullah left behind. When I was thinking about uh, points to talk, to present in this lecture, uh, I, I planned initially to go through some of these examples of the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. 
But then I, I, I got an idea, and that is to go through Qur'an, and to see what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised to the believers. Because that's the ultimate end. Just going through Qur'an and seeing, what has Allah azawajal promised the believers? And when we say believers, you cannot be a believer if you don't believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Believing in Allah alone is not sufficient. <coughs> That's a very important point. Because there are people out there who believe in one God, but they do not believe in the prophets, they do not believe in Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Is that sufficient? No. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, مَا مِنْ يَهُودِي وَلَا نَصْرَانِي يَسْمَعُ بِي ثُمَّ لَا يُؤْمِنُ بِي إِلَّا كَانَ مِنْ أَهْلِ النَّارِ any Jew or Christian who hears my name and then doesn't follow me will be among the people of hellfire. You cannot get through to Jannah without believing in Muhammad wasallam. He is the gateway to paradise. Allah says in Surah An-Nisa about the ones who believe in Allah and believe in some of the prophets of Allah, يَقُولُونَ نُؤْمِنُ بِبَعْضٍ they believe in some and they reject some. Allah Azza wa says about them, Those are truly the disbelievers. So even if you believe in Allah, and you believe in all of the Anbiya of Allah, except one, you've rejected Allah and all of the Anbiya. Because, to give an example, uh, A certain company is selling a product and they have they have given the distribution rights to a particular businessman in this town or country. If you buy the product from another outlet, it's not legitimate. You have to go through the distributor. The distributor and the company would not want you to get the product except through the official distributor in that country. Now the Anbiya of Allah Azza wa Jal are the representatives of the message of Allah on earth. So you have to get the message through them. You cannot go and get it from somewhere else. And every Nabi of Allah Azza wa Jal fills a certain slot in time, in the long time or period of humanity. So Musa, he fills a certain slot. Isa alayhi salam fills a certain slot. Adam alayhi salam. Every one of them is filling one slot in history. And as soon as another Nabi comes on the scene, then you, you must believe in that Nabi of Allah So when Muhammad came, from the day he was given Ba'tha, he is the Prophet to all mankind. We sent you as a mercy to all mankind, everyone. Therefore, everyone is potentially a member of the Ummah of Muhammad Whether they accept that or not, because you're born on fitrah, you're born on fitrah. And fitrah is Islam. It is as if you're given an invitation. The application is handed out to you. Some of you would sign on and accept that invitation. And some of you will discard it. Some people will grow up to become Muslim. And some people will turn that offer down. But everyone, whether they're Christian or Jew or Buddhist or Hindu, they were given that invitation to Islam. Because they were born on fitrah. So they are potentially members of the Ummah of Muhammad Wasallam. So on the Day of Judgment, they're not going to be asked about such and such prophet. They will be asked about Muhammad Wasallam. Not only in the Day of Judgment, but as soon as they get into their graves. So when we talk about the Mu'mineen, we're talking about the ones who believe in Allah and Muhammad Wasallam. By going through Qur'an, I found 25 promises that were given to the mu'mineen. Allah Azza wa has promised the mu'mineen 25. And I just went through the ayat looking for الَّذِينَ amanu or al-mu'minun. I didn't look for al-muttaqeen, al-muhsineen. Because Allah has promised al-muttaqeen some things. وَمَن يَتَّقِ اللَّهَ يَجْعَلْ لَهُ مَخْرَجًا حَيْثُ لَا يَحْتَسِبُ I didn't do that. I just looked at what Allah has promised al-mu'mineen. So dear brothers and sisters, look at what Allah Azza wa has promised you. Number one, establishment on earth, at-tamkeen. وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَيَسْتَخْلِفَنَّهُمْ فِي الْأَرْضِ وَلَيُمَكِّنَنَّ لَهُمْ دِينَهُمْ الَّرْذِي اِرْتَضَى لَهُمْ 
ولا يبدلنهم من بعد خوفهم أمنا يعبدونني لا يشركون بي شيئا ومن كفر بعد ذلك فأولئك هم الفاسقون الله عز وجل says Allah has promised to those among you who believe and work righteous deeds that he will of a surety grant them in the land inheritance of power as he granted it to those before them that he will establish in authority their religion, the one which he has chosen for them, and, the, and that he will change their state after the fear in which they lived to one of security and peace. And the ones who turn away from that, if any do reject faith after this, they are rebellious and wicked. So Allah has promised al-mu'minun establishment on the earth. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa says, in Allah zawali al-ard, فرأيت أن ملك أمتي سيبلغ ما زوي لي منها. رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says Allah has shown me the entire earth. Zawa means brought together. So Allah has assembled the whole earth in front of my eyes. I saw it with my own eyes, and He told me that the kingdom of my nation will reach to all of it. So it's a foregone conclusion. So the question is not whether Islam will be victorious or not. That's already given. The question is, are you going to play a role in that or not? It's already given that Allah will give a lot of ajr and reward to the ones who will bring it back. The question is, are you going to be a part of that exclusive group or not? Because this group are, be, are going to be the most resembling group to the Sahaba anhum. Because that's something that wasn't done except by the Sahaba. Every generation after them, they came and they lived in an established Islamic system. But now we have the golden opportunity of doing what the Sahaba did. Therefore, that will make the generation that will do that the most similar generation to the Sahaba anhum. And that's why Rasulullah says, I wish that I can meet my brothers. So the Sahaba said, aren't we your brothers? Rasulullah said, no, you are my Ashab, you are my companions. But my brothers are going to be the people who will come at the end of time. And one of them would wish that they could see me, even if it's going to cost them their wealth and families. Just getting a sight, a glimpse of Rasulullah is more valuable to them than everything else. The second promise Allah will give Al Mu'minun a good life. Allah Azza wa Jal says, من عمل صالحا من ذكر أو أنثى وهو مؤمن فلنحيينه حياة طيبة ولنجزينهم أجرهم بأحسن ما كانوا يعملون. Whoever works righteousness, man or woman, and has faith, verily to him we give a new life, a life that is good and pure. We will bestow on such their reward according to the best of their actions. Allah will give you a good life. Now, Islam, when Allah Azza promises you something, He promises you the essence of that thing, not the mere appearance of it. Because there's a lot of deception in this world. What you see in the outside is not necessarily what exists in the inside. A person could be very wealthy, they could be very healthy. It appears that they have a very happy life, but in reality, they are suffering inside. A disbeliever could be given everything that a person attached to this dunya wants. But inside there's a struggle. Because Allah Azza wa says, وَمَنْ أَعْرَضَ عَنْ ذِكْرِ فَإِنَّ لَهُ مَعِيشَةً ضَنْكَ Whoever stays away from my remembrance for them will be a life of distress. So when Allah Azza wa promises you haya tayyibah, it is talking about the real essence of a hayat tayyibah. Because you could be like Ibn Taymiyyah. Ibn Taymiyyah says, what can my enemy do with me? If they put me in jail, that's time for me to make dhikr to Allah. If they exile me, that will be time for me to contemplate in the creation of Allah. If they kill me, I become a shaheed. So what can they do with me? So no matter where you put Ibn Taymiyyah radiallahu anhu, his Jannah, as he said, Jannati fi sadri. My Jannah is inside my chest. Do with me whatever you want. I'm carrying my Jannah with me and you cannot take that away from me. In fact, he said, if the kings of this world know 
the pleasure that we go through, they would fight us to take it away from us with their swords. So when Allah says, Hayatayyibah, He's promising you Hayatayyibah. Because one could argue that the Sahaba had a difficult life. I mean, sometimes we think that the Sahaba had a very pleasant, luxurious life. That's not true. Three out of the four Sahaba, three out of the four Khulafa were assassinated. Umar, Uthman, and Ali. So it wasn't easy. However, they, they, they had this contentment. They had this happiness inside their hearts. They had Tumanina, they had Sakina. And that's what really counts. So don't go by the appearance, go by the essence. Number three, protection. Allah has promised Al-Mu'minun protection. Allah Azawajal says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ يُدَافِعُ عَنِ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ كُلَّ خَوَّانٍ كَفُورٍ Verily Allah will defend from ill those who believe. So Allah has promised the believers protection. If they didn't get it, then that means there's something wrong with their iman. It's one or the other. If you are a believer, Allah will protect you. So Allah has promised the believers protection. Number four, Allah will never grant the unbelievers a way over the believers. Allah says, وَلَن يَجْعَلَ اللَّهُ لِلْكَافِرِينَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ سَبِيلًا and never will Allah grant to the unbelievers a way to triumph over the believers. So, Islam always rises. Islam is always higher and nothing goes above it. So again, if you don't see this happening, then one needs to question not the promise of Allah, but one needs to question the Iman. Number five, Allah promises the believers deliverance from darkness to light. Allahu waliyu ladina amanu, yukhrijuhum min al zulumati ila nur, waladina kafaru awliyahum al taghut, yukhrijunahum min al nur ila al zulumat, ulaik ashabun narihum fiya khalidun. Allah Azawajal says, Allah is the protector of those who have faith. From the depths of darkness, He will lead them forth into light. Of those who reject faith, the patrons are the evil ones. From light, they will lead them forth into the depths of darkness. They will be companions of the fire to dwell therein forever. So Allah promises you, if you're a believer, that He will deliver you from darkness to light. And for the ones who disbelieve, they are delivered by their patrons from light to darkness. Number six. No fear and no grief. إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ وَأَقَامُوا الصَّلَاةَ وَآتُوا الزَّكَاةَ لَهُمْ أَجْرُهُمْ عِنْدَ رَبِّهِمْ وَلَا خَوْفٌ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا هُمْ يَحْزَنُونَ Those who believe and do deeds of righteousness and establish regular prayers and regular charity will have their reward with their Lord. On them shall be no fear, nor shall they grieve. As a believer, you could go through situations where you have fear. Because fear is a natural human instinct. Even the Anbiya weren't spared of that. Musa salam, when in his first encounter with Allah Azawajal, when Allah told him to throw his stick, and it turned into a snake, فَوَلَّا مُدْبِرًا وَلَمْ يُعَقِّبْ Allah Azawajal says, so he ran away, and he didn't look back. That's the Nabi of Allah Musa. However, that's where he started. So he saw one stick, and it made him run away. But later on, when he was facing the sorcerers in Egypt, and according to Ibn Abbas and the other Mufassirin, the number ranges from 70 to 70,000. So you have in this huge gathering, imagine a stadium filled with all of the people. They came to watch this competition between good and evil. So you have Musa and Harun on one side, and on the other side you have 70,000 sorcerers with all of their equipment and tools. So they asked Musa, shall we go first or you go first? He said, you go first. So they threw their sticks and their ropes. So 
Allah says, and they deceived the eyes of people. Musa and Harun did not even shake, did not tremble, no fear at all. Even though now there are 70,000 sorcerers in front of them. Why? Because of the iman in the heart. So when iman sinks in, it eliminates fear. So you might go through that natural feeling, but you overcome it through your iman. Al Azbin Abdul Salam, he went to visit a tyrant. Al Azbin Abdul Salam is one of our great scholars. So he went to visit this tyrant. He went with the students. And Izz ibn Abd salam started speaking softly, but then his voice was uh, becoming more uh, loud and loud, and his tone was harsher. And he started pointing towards this tyrant. So it is said that a student started wrapping up their clothes because they were expecting that at any time a sword will cut off his head because of the way he was speaking to this tyrant. When he came out, his students went to him and said, What have you done? How could you speak to him like that? He said, When I imagined the greatness of Allah, this tyrant became in front of me smaller than a cat. I saw him smaller than a cat. When did that happen? When he put things in perspective. When he thought about the greatness of Allah, and then you think about who, who this creation is. And you remember the nusus in the hadith of Ibn Abbas, If they come, if all the creation come together to harm you, they wouldn't harm you except with something that was destined for you. If Allah didn't want it to happen, it won't. And if Allah wants it to happen, nothing can prevent it. وَمَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْطِئَكَ وَمَا أَخْطَأَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ وَلَوْ مِتَّ عَلَى غَيْرِ ذَلَكَ لَدَخَلْتَ النَّارِ You have to believe. وَاعْلَمْ أَنَّكَ لَوْ أَنْفَقْتَ مِثْلَ جَبَلْ أُحَدْ ذَهَبًا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ مَا تُقُبِّلَ مِنْكَ حَتَّى تُؤْمِنَ بِالْقَدَرِ وَأَنَّمَا أَصَابَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُخْطِئَكَ وَأَنَّمَا أَخْطَأَكَ لَمْ يَكُنْ لِيُصِيبَكَ وَلَوْ مِتَّ عَلَى غَيْرِ ذَلِكَ لَدَخَلْتَ النَّارِ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم says and if you spend the equivalent of the mountain of Uhud gold in the sake of Allah it won't be accepted from you until you believe in destiny and you believe that what happened to you couldn't have been prevented and what didn't happen to you couldn't have happened and if you die believing otherwise, you would die in hellfire. Nothing can change. You do your best and you leave the rest on Allah Azza wa Jal. The seventh promise. Payment in full. And there was a request that I cite the, 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 the number of the ayah and the surah. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't have that written down. Number seven, payment in full. <coughs> Allah will pay you all of your good deeds. وَأَمَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ فَيُوَفِّيهِمْ أُجُورَهُمْ وَاللَّهُ لَا يُحِبُّ الظَّالِمِينَ As to those who believe and work righteousness, Allah will pay them in full their reward, but Allah loves not those who do wrong. Allah will pay you for every single thing that you did. Nothing, nothing whatsoever will be wasted. That's when it comes to your good deeds. What about the, uh, in general, Allah Azza wa Jal on top of that will offer you forgiveness and that's number eight. Allah Azza wa Jal will forgive you. وَعَدَ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ مَغْفِرَةٌ وَأَجْرٌ عَظِيمٌ To those who believe and do deeds of righteousness, has Allah promised forgiveness and great reward. Number nine, peace and security. And notice that all of these things are, are such great Blessings of Allah, very important, critical things for your life. Peace and security. I mean, everybody is in pursuit of peace. Everybody claims that they have a solution to bring peace to our hearts. But only Allah Azza wa is the one who has a solution. Allah Azza wa says, وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِيمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ أُولَٰئِكَ لَهُمُ الْأَمْنُ وَهُمْ مُحْتَدُونَ Allah Azza wa says, It is those who believe... And confuse not their beliefs with wrong. 
So you don't have a confused belief in Allah Azza wa Jal that are truly in security for they are on right guidance. Allah Azza wa Jal will grant them security. This security could come in different forms. I mean, in the, in the Battle of Badr, for example, the Muslims were 313 and they're facing an enemy of a thousand. So they're, they're, there's room for anxiety. And this is the first battle between Haq and Batal. Plus the intention of the army was to go out for booty and now they're facing an army that's three times the size. So Allah Azza wa Jal brought down on them Sakina and rain to wash them down, to cool them, to, to uh, make the ground firm under them. So a strange thing happened. They're facing this enemy in front of them and you can only imagine the anxiety that goes along with that. And suddenly everyone in the Muslim army, in the Muslim camp, falls asleep. Slumber, sleep befalls you as peace from him. So you can imagine that at that particular moment Allah is making them fall asleep. So the scholars say that falling asleep before a battle is a sign of the iman and falling asleep in salah is a sign of nifaq. You're facing death in front of you and you fall asleep. Look at the tranquility that comes from Allah. You know, this is something that you cannot, uh, something that can only come from Allah. No worldly preparation whatsoever, no courses that you can take, nothing will prepare you for that. This is a training beyond any military course book. This is something that only comes from Allah. It's a gift from Him. When Allah promises you something, I mean, I want you to, when you're hearing all of these promises, to believe in the wa'ad of Allah. Wa'ad Allah haqqa, lan yukhlif Allah al-mi'ad. Allah Azza wa promises you truth, and Allah Azza wa will never break His promise. And these things are not relative. Allah Azza wa is giving you a, a full promise. And Allah Azza wa one of His names is Al-Kareem. Therefore, the portion of this that He will give you is greater than what anybody else can give you. Because when Allah says that He is Kareem, He is generous, His generosity is greater and better than everybody else in quality and quantity. And that's part of our Iman in the names of Allah Azza wa Jal. Or take for example the hadith when Isa will come down. Rasulullah says, Allah Azza wa will destroy every other religion in His time except Islam. So the entire world will become Muslim. And peace will come down on earth. Rasulullah says, and peace will come down on land. So lions will play with camels. And tigers will play with cows. And wolves will play with sheep. And children will play with snakes. And no one is harmed. Look at the barakat and the peace that will come down. Why? Because there's no more kufr on land. Because it's just iman. So peace truly comes from Allah Azza wa and, and, and when you read the descriptions of the end of time, it's something that is mind-boggling. The barakah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing down, and that's number 10. Uh, the barakat. وَلَوْ أَنَّ أَهْلَ الْقُرَىٰ آمَنُوا وَاتَّقَوْا لَفَتَحْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ بَرَكَاتٍ مِّنَ السَّمَاءِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَلَكِنْ كَذَّبُوا فَأَخَذْنَاهُمْ بِمَا كَانُوا يَكْسِبُونَ If the people of the towns had but believed and feared Allah, we should indeed have opened out to them all kinds of blessings from heaven and earth. But they rejected the truth and we brought them to book for their misdeeds. One of the Sahaba came to Abu Bakr al-Siddiq when he was Khalifa and he said, I saw a dream. And Abu Bakr used to love dreams and he used to interpret dreams. And by the way, dreams is something that Rasulullah and the Sahaba used to care about. 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa after Salat al-Fajr, he would talk with the Sahaba and they would talk about the time of Jahiliyyah. And then Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would ask them, did anyone, one of you see a dream? And then they would uh, narrate their dreams and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa would interpret them. Or sometimes Abu Bakr would say, for example, there's a hadith, Abu Bakr heard a dream, he, he stopped Rasulullah and said, can you allow me to interpret it myself? Rasulullah told him, go ahead. So Abu Bakr interpreted it and then he asked Rasulullah, did I get it right? Rasulullah told him, you got some of it right and some of it wrong. Abu Bakr said, what did I get wrong? Rasulullah said, I'm not going to tell you. So now, this man came to Abu Bakr and said, I saw a dream. What was it? He said, I saw you walking with, your compa- walking with people, ma'annas, with people. And you were climbing and walking on a very rough terrain. It was very rough. And then you climbed a mountain. And you and your companions reached the highest peak. And you saw, uh, and, and, and you took a look from the top. And then you came down into a very fertile valley where there are many gardens and fruits and towns and villages and streams. And then a throne was placed for you to sit on. And people came to you. Abu Bakr said, Ra'ayta khayran. And then, no, and then someone came to you and said, Seek forgiveness from Allah. Seek forgiveness from Allah. Abu Bakr said, You have seen something good and you've also given me my obituary. And then Abu Bakr said, the interpretation of the dream is when you saw me with the other people climbing this rough terrain it means that we will have a tough time fighting and challenging our enemies the Persians and the Romans and that is the rough terrain we will find from these wars and battles and soldiers it will be a difficult task but then when you saw me at the peak, it means that I will win against all of my foes. And then when you saw me came down into a very fertile valleys, valley, fruits and farms and villages and towns, that means after this victory that Allah gives us, we will be bestowed with blessings from Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah Azza wa Jal will open up dunya to us. And then when you saw me sitting on a throne, that means that Allah Azza wa Jal will honor me and Allah Azza wa Jal will dishonor anybody who stands against me. And then when you heard the voice telling me, ask forgiveness from Allah, that means that I, that I have achieved, uh, that's the end of my life. Uh, because when Rasulullah was given Surah Al-Nasr and told that the people who enter into Islam and seek the forgiveness of Allah, that's what you do at the end. What do you do after Salah? You say astaghfirullah, after hajj, astaghfirullah. So astaghfirullah is the culmination of your efforts. When you finish your work, you say astaghfirullah. To ask Allah to forgive you for any shortcomings done throughout your work. So now Abu Bakr is told to make istighfar after his term as a khalifa, and now he's going to leave the world. So you said, you've given me a good news, and you also delivered to me my obituary. But the point that I'm trying to make is that Allah will bless the ummah. And that happened. It didn't happen in the time of Abu Bakr. It happened towards the end of the time of Umar. Now that's a blessing from Allah. And the Ummah was the most wealthy and the most powerful and the most luxurious. But that wealth also had a side effect. And that is it brought the Ummah down. It's a blessing from Allah. But if it is misused, it can turn from being a blessing into a wrath. And that's what happened. If you visit Andalus and you see the life that the Muslims used to live, the luxury, the palaces, and the fitna that they were going through, the fitna of women, the fitna of wealth, the fitna of the beauty of the land, that's what brought them down. It's an epic story. 800 years of Islam in Andalus, and then it was switched off. Nothing remained. After 800 years. It's because of the extravagance. For example, the Khalif of Qurtuba, 
Qurtaba wasn't enough for him. So he wanted to build a palace outside. Why? Because he had 6,000 concubines and women servants. He had 3,000 male servants. And he had 13,000 bodyguards. So he had to build the palace outside, which ended up being an entire town, Az-Zahra. The extravagance and the money that they spent. The roof, the ceiling was gold and silver. Everything was built out of marble. The level that the Muslims reached in Al-Andalus, nobody has reached it even this, to this day, Muslim or non-Muslim. Al-Hamra is arguably one of the most beautiful and greatest palaces that were ever built. But that brought the Muslims down. So, blessings is something that Allah will give you. Eleven. And this is what you need most. Guidance. Just because you're a believer doesn't mean that you don't need guidance. You need guidance day in, day out. Every moment of the day. The most frequent dua that you make, whether you're conscious of that or not, is ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. How many times do you make that dua? Oh Allah, guide me to the straight path. I need your guidance. How many times do you make it in the first salah? How many times do you make it in the sunnah, the nafil? And if you're Hanafi, how many times do you make it in your nafil, in sunnah? You repeat the same surah again and again, and the essence of Al-Fatiha is the dua. Ihdina sirat al-mustaqim. Now Allah Azza wa Jal says, إِنَّ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ يَهْدِيهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِإِيمَانِهِمْ تَجْرِي مِنْ تَحْتِهِمُ الْأَنْهَارُ فِي جَنَّاتِ النَّعِيمِ Those who believe and work righteousness, their Lord will guide them because of their faith. Beneath them will flow rivers and gardens of bliss. So Allah will guide them because of their iman. يَهْدِيهِمْ رَبُّهُمْ بِإِيمَانِهِمْ Because of your iman, Allah will guide you. And that's what you need most. You need Allah to guide you through your daily decisions. You need Allah to guide you. You cannot live without the tawfiq and the guidance of Allah Azza wa Jal. We ask Allah Azza wa Jal to bestow that on us. Number 12, Allah will save you. ثُمَّ نُنَجِّي رُسُولَنَا وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا كَذَلِكَ حَقًّا عَلَيْنَا نُنْجِي الْمُؤْمِنِينَ In the end, we deliver our messengers and those who believe. Thus is it fitting on our part that we should deliver those who believe. In the end. And the end is what counts. Rasulullah part of his da'wah was done underground. Rasulullah sometimes had to hide his identity in hijrah. Rasulullah had to run away from danger in a ta'if and in hijrah. Rasulullah had to stand in battle and fight. But at the end, what happened? At the end, Rasulullah was victorious. So don't look at the beginning, don't look at the middle, but look at what happens in the end. The most important part of the movie is the end of it. Allah Azza wa Jal will give the believers in the end victory and He will save them. Allah Azza wa Jal has promised that He will save the believers and the Anbiya. The next point which is related to this one is a good ending. 13. Allah Azza wa Jal says, الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ طُوبَى لَهُمْ وَحُسْنَ مَآبِ For those who believe and work righteousness is every blessedness and a beautiful place of final return. In the end, it is the believers who will laugh. In the end, it is the believers who will smile. In the end, it is the believers who will be happy. And that will be an everlasting, eternal ending. It's not going to be temporary. But it's going to be everlasting. So the end, وَالْعَاقِبَةُ لِلْمُتَّقِينَ Rasulullah says, uh, Allah Azzawajal says, and this was also the response of Rasulullah to Musaylam al-Kadhab. You know, Musaylam al-Kadhab, the false prophet, he sent a letter to Rasulullah and told him that uh, half of the earth belongs to you and half of it belongs to me, but you're transgressing. Rasulullah sent him a letter back. It's an ayah from Quran. In the earth belongs to Allah, and He will give it to whomever He wills of His servants. But the end belongs to al-muttaqin. Fourteen, steadfastness. 
يثبت الله الذين آمنوا بالقول الثابت في الحياة الدنيا وفي الآخرة ويضل الله الظالمين ويفعل الله ما يشاء الله will establish in strength those who believe with the words that stands firm in this world and in the hereafter but Allah will leave to stray those who do wrong Allah does what he wills Sabat is a very important principle and it's important for the fiqh of da'wah because sometimes we think that in our confrontation with the forces of evil, if we accommodate and we compromise, we think that we're smart and we're, if we think that we survive for another day by compromising, uh, that we have succeeded. But that's not necessarily a, 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 a right and authentic fiqh. Because victory is not always determined in dunya. Allah tells us about the story of Al-Akhdud. Allah tells us about the story of the people of the trench. This is an ummah that became Muslim. The king persecuted them and forced them to apostate. They refused. So what he did was, he dug trenches for them and set them ablaze, fire. And he brought this nation. And this story is in Surah Al-Buruj in Quran, Al-Akhdud. So they threw all of the believers in the fire. The believers could have been smart and said, no, we're, we're, we, we apostate, but inside we're, we're believers. But they didn't do that. They chose to die. And the king succeeded in his objective, and that is to eliminate belief in his city. And all of the believers were burned alive at the stake. So from a worldly sense, that is a defeat. The believers were defeated and the king won. But the interesting thing is that the closing comment in these ayah, the last ayah in this story is, kabir. That is not only victory, but that is the great victory. So victory here is the fact that they were steadfast until the last moment, even if that meant they give up their life for it. It's not that you change your colors and you accommodate and you compromise. No. They were steadfast to the last moment and that is tabat. They died on la ilaha illallah. Even if it cost them their life in dunya, that's not defeat. They were not defeated. They won. Because the day of judgment is what counts. And Allah Azza has called it victory and what Allah calls victory is victory and what we think is victory if it's otherwise is not 15 the head of the camp of evil is Iblis Shaitan and in your battle with Shaitan with Satan you are dealing with somebody who has a lot of experience Shaitan has been, Iblis has been around for a very, very long time. And his cumulative experience is thousands of years. So if you want to fight him one on one, you will fail. So you need the assistance of Allah. You need to have Allah on your side. Because in terms of knowledge, in terms of experience, uh, he has more of that than you do. So you cannot make it in this battle against Shaitan except through the assistance of Allah Azza wa Jal. And Allah says, إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لَهُ سُلْطَانٌ عَلَى الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَلَى رَبِّهِمْ يَتَوَكَّلُونَ No authority has he, shaitan, over those who believe and put their trust in their Lord. If you put trust in Allah and you believe, He has no authority over you. Number 16. None of your effort will be wasted. And we talked about a similar point to this. As to those who believe and work righteousness, verily, we shall not suffer to perish the reward of any who do a single righteous deed. Uh, number 18, uh, 17, love amongst themselves. On those who believe and work deeds of righteousness will Allah most gracious bestow love. 
the Mufassirin said that if you draw your heart closer to Allah, Allah will draw the hearts of Al-Mu'mineen closer to you. And there's another saying, if you displease Allah by pleasing His creation, Allah will be displeased with you and He will make the creation displeased with you. And if you please Allah by displeasing the creation, Allah will be pleased with you and He will make the creation pleased with you. So the thing is that you need to please Allah and forget about the creation. Because if you do that, Allah will make the hearts of Al-Mu'mineen attracted to you. And that's what you want. I mean, why would you care about the hearts of Al-Kuffar, Al-Mushrikeen? That doesn't count anything. As a human being, you want, you might care for that, but is it the right thing? Allah Azza is promising you something better. Allah Azza says, if you make dhikr, if you remember my name in a gathering, I'll remember your name in a better gathering. Your name might not be on CNN or BBC, but Allah Azza is mentioning your name with a better audience. And that is the angels. So when Yunus made the dhikr from the depth of three darkness, the darkness of the night, the darkness of the sea, and the darkness of the stomach of the whale, the angels heard that voice and they recognized it. Why? Because this was a familiar sound to them. This was a familiar voice. He was always making dhikr of Allah. So Allah was always making dhikr of him. So the angels knew him. So they went to appeal for Yunus. They said, oh Allah, aren't you going to have mercy on him? He's stuck in the stomach of the whale. And the angels went to appeal for him. He had the best lawyers on his side. Who could you have as a better lawyer for you than the angels of Allah Azza wa So Allah said yes. And Allah tells us why He saved him from the stomach of the whale. فَلَوْلَا أَنَّهُ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُسَبِّحِينَ لَلَبِثَ فِي بَطْنِهِ إِلَى يَوْمِ يُبْعَثُونَ If it wasn't for the fact that he used to make tasbih to me before, he would have remained in the stomach of the whale until the day of judgment. But it's because of his former tasbih, his track record, his good deeds, those good deeds helped him when he was in a moment of need. تعرف إلى الله في الرخاء يعرفك في الشدة. Remember Allah in moments of ease, Allah will remember you in moments of difficulty. So Allah will bring the hearts of the believers closer to you. And it's a fact. Look at it. Whenever the media pick on a Muslim, the more they talk about him, the more beloved he becomes with the believers. It's an exponent, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an equation. If they pick on somebody, the more they talk about that person, the more beloved that person would become. The most picked upon person in the world happens to be the most beloved person among the Muslims. That's the rule, always. So you want to care about the love of Allah Azza wa and the love of Al-Mu'mineen, and the way you do that is by taking your heart and giving it to Allah. Put your trust in Allah. Love Allah Azza wa Allah Azza wa will make the servants love you. Rasulullah was not necessarily loved by all of the people. Some people loved him to death, and some people hated him to death. He was a furqan. He was cursed. The media was speaking against him. They accused him of being a liar, a sorcerer, uh, obsessed with jinn, crazy, a poet, a fortune teller, you name it. And the media would go around, and you would find it on the front page in the beginning of every newscast. But look at Muhammad today. There is no man of the face of the earth who is more beloved than Muhammad And there is no name that is so frequently mentioned than the name of Muhammad His name is the praised one. Allah has given him that name because that's the truth. And that meaning was fulfilled. At every single moment of the day or night, there is a minaret somewhere in the world that is saying, Ashhadu anna Muhammad Rasulullah. The people of his time, they despised him, they hated him, but look at the result. Allah has put the love of Muhammad in the hearts of people. Some people far away from Islam, but they would die to save the name of Muhammad and to protect his honor. They might be drunk, they might be sinning, they might be far away from the religion, but when it comes to protecting the honor of Rasulullah you don't mess around with them.
I happened to have a friend in, in, in America. He was our imam. His name is Muhammad al-Ashir. And I've been telling this story around. Some of you might have heard it. His name is Muhammad al-Ashir. Muhammad al-Ashir means the tenth. For a very long time, he's from Nigeria. For a very long time, I assumed that his last name is al-Ashir. So I asked him, is al-Ashir uh, your family name or is it the name of the tribe? Because you have tribes in Nigeria. It's similar to the, you know, there's al-Hausa, there's al-Fallata, tribal system. He told me, no, that's not the name of my family, it's not the name of my tribe. It just happened that they, my father loved the name of Muhammad sallallahu so much, he would name all of his sons Muhammad. So we had to be numbered. And I happened to be number 10. So there's Muhammad the first, Muhammad the second, Muhammad the third, and I'm Muhammad the tenth. That's how much people love Muhammad sallallahu alayhi But that wasn't the case in his time. It started out very difficult. They cursed him, they abused him, they spoke ill against him. But he pleased Allah azza wa jal. When the people of Ataif threw rocks at him, and, and drove him out of Ataif and humiliated him, Rasulullah said, Oh Allah, as long as you are not angry with me, I don't care. It doesn't matter what the people think about me. It doesn't matter what the people do to me. As long as you are pleased, I'm happy. As long as you're not angry with me, that's all what counts. And that's how we should act. As long as Allah Azza wa is happy with you and pleased with you, that's all what matters. Please Allah Azza wa Allah Azza wa will be pleased with you and He will make Al-Mu'mineen attracted to you. <clears throat> Five minutes. Uh, Eighteen. The erasing of evil. وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَنُكَفِّرَنَّ عَنْهُمْ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ وَلَنَجْزِيَنَّهُمْ أَحْسَنُ الَّذِي كَانُوا يَعْمَلُونَ Those who believe and work righteous deeds from them shall we blot out all evil that they may be that may be in them and we shall reward them according to their to the best of their deeds a mu'min you did mistakes you did sins allah will blot them out and there's no limit there's no maximum uh, amount on a credit card you have a maximum there's a limit on how much you could spend but when it comes to the tawbah of Allah Azza wa Jalla, it can wash away everything. Anything. Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam told Amr bin Al-As, Ya Amr, Am I ta'alam, uh, uh, no, actually, the, the, there's an ayah in Qur'an, uh, where Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَالَّذِينَ لَا يَدْعُونَ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَهًا آخَرٍ وَلَا يَقْتُلُونَ النَّفْسَ الَّتِي حَرَّمَ اللَّهُ إِلَّا بِالْحَقِّ وَلَا يَزْنُونَ Allah Azza says about Ibad al-Rahman, they are the ones who do not believe in a God besides Allah. And they do not kill an innocent soul. And they do not commit zina. And if anybody does one of these three sins, they will be punished severely. But then Allah Azza says, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ إِلَّا مَنْ تَابَ وَآمَنَ وَعَمِلَ عَمَلًا صَالِحًا فَأُولَئِكَ يُبَدِّلُ اللَّهُ سَيِّئَاتِهِمْ حَسَنَاتِ وَكَانَ اللَّهُ غَفُرٌ رَحِيمًا However, if you did commit one of these sins, kufr, or murder, or zina, adultery or fornication, if you make a tawbah, Allah Azza wa Jal will not only forgive those sins, but Allah will turn those sins into good deeds. Can you beat this forgiveness? Not only will they blotted, be blotted out and erased, but if you had a hundred sins, they will be turned into a hundred good deeds. That's the mercy of Allah Azza wa Jal. The man from Banu Israel who killed 99 innocent human beings, and then he went and asked, this Abid, can Allah forgive me? He said no. He didn't like the fatwa, so he killed him. No other reason. He didn't like the fatwa, he killed him. So you can tell that there's a lot of evil in the heart of this man. Even though he was so evil, he killed a hundred human beings. And he killed the number hundred, just because he didn't like his opinion. There was still some good in his heart, and he wanted to make tawbah. He went to the scholar, the scholar told him to go to the other village, and he went. Just give me time to finish the story, and we'll... Finish. I think it's a good note to finish on this story. He died before he reaches to the other town. Because the scholar told him, you have to leave this town and go to that other town because there are people there who will assist you in worshipping Allah. This town you're living in is a town of evil. So move out. He goes out and he dies. 
So the angels of mercy come down and the angels of punishment come down and everybody's making a claim on his soul. The angels of mercy said he belongs to us because he came out with the intention of tawbah. The angels of punishment said he belongs to us because he didn't reach the other town. Allah sends down an angel to solve the dispute. So the angel comes down and says, measure the distance between the place where he died and his town and, the pl- and between the place where he died and the town of Tawbah. They measure the distance. He was actually closer to his town. So he belonged to hellfire. Allah Azza wa orders the earth to change dimensions. So he becomes closer to the town of Tawbah. So the angels of Tawbah took him and he was taken to Jannah. Allah Azza wa changed the dimensions of the earth to forgive this man because Allah Azza wa wanted to forgive him. And that's how forgiving Allah Azza wa is. Make Tawbah. Ask Allah Azza wa to forgive you. You will find him Rafur Rahim. Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam.